Hello, welcome to Ready, Set, Free podcast with your host, Kai Wilson, where we want you to be financially free, emotionally free, mentally free, and physically free. So today on the podcast, this is podcast episode number one. Today on podcast episode number one, we're going to talk about who is Kai? Who am I? Why am I here? Why am I talking about these things? What is my history? So that's what we will cover today on podcast episode number one. But before we do that, I want to introduce somebody who's very special to me. I have a podcast producer here with me. He is my producer. Today, he will also act as my interviewer. So it's technically the two of us today on the microphones talking, discussing my history, my evolution. But this gentleman is very special to me. His name is Orlando Clark II. And he is my longtime good friend, Marilyn Belcher, or Marilyn Belcher Holmes, <laughs> <laughs> Marilyn Belcher Holmes' son, Orlando. Um, I have known Marilyn my entire life. So I'm about to give you your first gem here. Uh-oh. I am a Gen Xer, the forgotten generation. Mm-hmm. We hear about millennial, millennial, millennial. We hear about... Uh, what are the old people called? No, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call you the old people. <laughs> millennial, millennial, millennials, boomers. and the boomers. Yeah, the boomers. So I'm I'm here to remind everybody, there was a generation in between that one. We were called the Gen Xers, and we're still alive, and we're still here. So I am a Gen Xer. I said that to say I have known Marilyn since I'm going to get, it's hard to say, but we've gone to the same school our entire life from kindergarten through high school. And I started kindergarten in 1978. She was a year older than me. So I have known Marilyn since 1978. And I have her lovely, beautiful, talented son in here with me. Don't make me blush. Thank you. Oh, he's my (laughs) uh, he's my always podcast producer. But today he's also going to act as my interviewer. So let me introduce Orlando Clark the second. Yay. Thank you for being here. Orlando. Thank you for interviewing me. Because, again, like I said in the in the intro, I am not going to sit here and talk to myself and bore everybody to death. So. Thank you for being here, and I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about himself. Well, thank you for having me. That's that's one. Um, two, I've been doing media for well over 10 years. Um, started out with video and photography and just kind of went from there um, under the tutelage of people like Jeff Holmes and, you know, other mentor- mentees, mentors, not mentees, I'm tripping, mentors I've had um, to kind of help me get through this. So, yeah, yeah. Um, this is what I do now. And he's very good at it. <laughs> yeah. I so I appreciate him. you having me. <laughs> I studied him before I asked him to do it. Yeah. You can see his podcast on YouTube. What's the name of your podcast? My podcast is very niche. Um, very just, niche just to, just this to warn Gen everybody. Xer does not understand it at all. I watched it. I, I don't know what they're talking about. What yeah, the no. hell they're talking about. But <laughs> you I'm a bit. Of, I'm a bit. Not even a bit. I'm a nerd. I'm a huge nerd. So I like, you know, the podcast is about nerd stuff. Like we talk about anime manga comic books movies just like geeky nerdy stuff so yeah you can find it's called the lo-fi kickback you can find it exclusively on on youtube for now um just at the lo-fi kickback uh at the lo-fi kickback on instagram uh yeah no twitter right now because that is a a whole land within itself so i agree yeah that that land right there is kind of crazy really not on twitter i have a twitter handle 
and I don't know how to use it. So yeah, I got a personal Twitter. I don't even tweet. I just I'll just look at some news. New news is is like the first thing. Twitter will have news before CNN has it or Fox. Like they're really good at getting out. But other than that, I I, I try and stay away from Twitter. Well, I co-sign on that. Yeah, very very toxic place. <laughs> no, but it's okay. So I'm gonna go ahead and take the reign from you if that's fine. All right. As your interviewer today. No problem. Okay, I'm ready cool. for it. So I guess we'll, we'll we'll just start with the basics and then go a little further. What made you first? What made you want to start this podcast? And two, why financial literacy? Literacy, as I can't speak for some reason. Okay, so what made me want to start this podcast? Mm-hmm. The hardcore truth. I didn't necessarily want to start this <laughs> podcast. Of if course. you want the whole truth and nothing but the truth, mm-hmm. I never had a real desire to have a podcast. Um, <laughs> I was asked to do a podcast. I was recommended to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. I was told to do a podcast. I was suggested. I've been coached. So they beat you down until you did it. They beat me down. So they beat me down until I agreed to do it. Now, why did they do that? Because in reality, I am an absolute radio talk show junkie. <laughs> I listen to talk radio non-stop and that has been since xm radio came out well actually even before xm um probably about two years before xm radio came out mm-hmm. so around 98 98 99 is when i discovered talk radio so i listened to talk radio a lot uh because of the changes in the the programming changes that happened in the local market at the time i was living in vegas they had some changes to the local market I was able to get XM radio had just rolled out. And then that was kind of like my um, heroin, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. Now I've got XM radio and they had 10,000 talk radio stations and oh I my. was in heaven. So since 98, 99, I've listened to talk radio nonstop. I, I, I've listened to all kinds of shows at this point. I have hosts I've listened to for ye- for decades. You I have, have a, a favorite? Or like who would be your, your biggest influences, I guess, when it comes to... For talk radio? How you doing this? I've yeah. had so many. It depends on the decade. Oh, wow. I mean, I, lo- okay. I used to well, love most Warren. Recent. Warren Ballantyne was one of the early ones. Okay. Um, Recent ones, Karen Hunter. So I've been down with Karen since day one. Um, I like Clay Kane right now on XM Radio. I listen to uh, my good friend Mike Love and Diz uh, used to be very popular radio disc jockeys in Chicago. They now have a podcast. I listen to them nonstop. Um, I listen to shows on 102.6, the Situation radio station. I, you know, there's been so, but over the years there's been, I, I can't tell you how many. I've listened to so many. I can't really keep track of how many <laughs> there have been so no that's fine you know I, you always pull from other from multi, multiple yeah. sources and some so. of them you outgrow so mm-hmm. i've outgrown some of them some of them kind of went a different direction so they started here and they kind of switched topics so yeah i understand that you know you move here and there so speaking of topics speaking of topics um how did i get on financial literacy yes ma'am so okay um i am a also a math addict i don't know if i'm a math addict. <laughs> i love math i love numbers i uh-huh. love math it was always my favorite subject in school 
I was a math major for quite a while in college before I switched over to a business major. Mm -hmm. I just like math. So liking math and working in finance go somewhat hand in hand. The numbers don't scare me. When people want to sit down and crunch numbers, I'm, I'm not afraid to do that. Mm -hmm. I actually crunch numbers in my mind. When people are talking, sometimes I'm crunching numbers and you don't realize it. You're saying <laughs> stuff and I literally can think in numbers sometimes. Wow. And that's all numbers. As far as time, as far as money, as far as um, estimates and just calculations, my brain kind of calculates in mathematical equations. So numbers don't bother me. That's interesting. Now, finance, I've just always been into finance. Um, I'll give you a little story here. When we were young, my grandmother and my aunt, her sister, used to live next door to each other on Hartree Avenue, where your mother also lived on Hartree Avenue. <laughs> so as a young child, uh, we were both fact. on Hartree Avenue. And my grandmother and her sister and her other sister, my Aunt Marion, used to read the newspaper every day and every Sunday. They would always meet at mine and his house and they read the paper. So my sister and if, if one of our cousins were there, they used to always fight over the funnies or the comics. So all the kids used to always race to the funnies and the comics, and I never raced to the funnies and the comics. I, that was, I, I didn't care much about that section of the newspaper. This is where it's going to show how nerdy I can be. <laughs> I used to race for the money section of the Chicago Tribune. Uh-oh. Or, or I would race for the real estate section. And I'm talking about as a pretty young child, I would read the money section of the paper and I would read the real estate section. So you've always had that in inquisitive always. mind as a kid. Now who were you racing for that? Huh? <laughs> who were you racing yourself for that section? I'm racing myself. Because <laughs> I don't think that's what they were reading either. My grandmother, my great aunts, I don't think they were. I, I was wow. able to get it. Yeah. Um. I, I could not understand all of the money section for sure. I mean, mm -hmm. when you got to the stock tables and charts, I, I'm sure that was way over my head, but I just like, I like numbers. I would look at the numbers and study them. Yeah. I didn't really know what they meant. I would read the articles though. So sometimes I can understand the articles mm -hmm. and in real estate, I always got the real estate section. One part of real estate, I would always dream about living in these big houses because when you get the real estate section of the newspaper, they always feature the mansions and I'm from, let me tell you guys, we are from Evanston, Illinois, which is the North shore of Chicago. It's got its reputation. It is very expensive to live there. Home <laughs> of Northwestern university and their $70,000 a year tuition, whatever crazy amount they're charging yeah. at this point, but it's a very expensive place to live. It's just North of Chicago on the lakeside. And it always featured the homes on the lake, you know, the multi-million dollar homes and the homes in our neighboring suburbs, which were Wilneka, Wilneka and Wilmette and, you know, all these million dollar homes. So I would look at the homes. I would compare the prices of the homes. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a job, but <laughs> for some reason I'm looking at the homes and the prices and which home would I buy? It was it was a very strange uh, fetish. I don't know if I want to call it a fetish or obsession or whatever, but that's what I would do. Passion, maybe? Passion, yeah. So go. that's where it started. I yeah. would read the money section of the paper, and I would read the real estate section, and then maybe I did like the peanuts. So <laughs> you like Charlie Brown? I like Charlie Brown. Yeah. So when I would get the funnies or the comics or whatever they called it at the time, the cartoon section, mm -hmm. um, I would read the peanuts. I liked... 
Charlie Brown. So I would read his section and that would be it. I, I really wasn't interested in any of the others. So how did you go from money and finance to shifting to doing insurance? I know that this is, I'm skipping here, but. Okay, so I got into insurance. Again, it was an invitation from someone. Mm. My personal insurance agent, her name was Michelle McGee. She was an American family agent in Evanston. I actually bought insurance from her one day. When she came to my house, we were just, she was doing her res- regular presentation. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was working in risk management. So I was licensed and certified in risk management before OSHA certified and all those licenses. I was working in risk management and in risk management, the, the company I worked at at the time was also umbrellaed under the employee benefits section. So I primarily care, covered the insurance policies for the corporation. So mm. yeah, she property damage and it. liability yeah. coverage for all of the plants. It was a, it was a manufacturer. So I covered all of the plant insurance policies, but I also worked in, conjunction with the employee benefits department. Mm -hmm. So in our discussion, I'm sure she asked me where I worked and things like that. When we got to the end of her writing my applications, she said, you know, I think you would really be good as an insurance agent. Have you ever thought about it? No, haven't thought about it at all. She asked if she could give my name and number to her manager. He called, blah, blah, blah. And pretty much that's where it started. So I never had a dream. I actually had taken insurance classes because in risk management, I had taken the general insurance classes, not the licensing classes, but I had taken some general classes just to help me understand product knowledge of what the company needed for their manufacturing plants. So I did have a little knowledge on the, especially on the commercial side more than the personal side. So with that being said, you talked about getting your licenses and certain things. What specifically made you, or what made you get licensed in specific financial things or money or math things or money things what (laughs) made you choose okay i'm gonna get this one that one was all circumstantial were you just looking for a specific thing what was your process with that you know it's it is somewhat circumstantial so i have my insurance licenses i have my um personal lines commercial lines health and life licenses i've had them 20 years this month of november november 2020 i've had my insurance licenses for 20 years I have, I've held some other licenses. Some of them, like I said, my risk management licenses, OSHA licenses, those were for, for jobs, specific jobs I held. Mm -hmm. But I've attended a lot of classes over the years only because I like to have information. I like to understand why it works, how it works. I'm one that just wants to understand, you know, I think that's the mathematical analytical side of me. I really want to understand how and why. Mm-hmm. I'm not one that just likes to hear because I said so or because it is or because that's how it is. So I've taken lots of classes over the years that I've never actually gotten officially licensed in. I've taken the real estate. I've taken the full real estate class, never got a real estate license. I have taken the full as an insurance agent. We have to survey properties mm-hmm. and we would have to write down the structure, how the structure of the property is and what type of roof it has and all these type of things. We used to have to manually do cost replacement estimators on a house. If it burned to the ground, how much would it cost? And we used to have to do these old fashioned sheets. Basically we'd fill all this information. We'd measure the grounds and we'd have to do all these factors. Um, and I, I didn't, I wasn't very knowledgeable on buildings 
specifics, building details. Like, is this a frame house or is this a, this house? So I actually took the appraisers class when I lived in Vegas. I actually mm. took the full property appraisers class that I could have been a certified appraiser. I did not take the class to become an appraiser. <laughs> I took the class to stop being frustrated when I had to go out and do these property surveys of wow. not understanding how a house was built and what types of something were this versus that. So I've done that several times. I've taken lots of official classes mm -hmm. and with the intent to never get the license. I just <laughs> took the class. So it's like an unaudited class. Uh, just curiosity, just, just learning. Took, took the unaudited class. Yeah. Same thing with cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. I have no official cryptocurrency licensing, mm. but I've taken several of the cryptocurrency certification classes. I either just never completed them or I never took the exam for them. I just took them to learn the information I needed to know, and I moved on. So, and moving on, I know that you have become very well-versed in cryptocurrency. Um, I know Bitcoin is one of the bigger ones yeah. right now. Are there any general things you can say to cryptocurrency? What made you get into that? Because I know people talk think that's a very high-risk area, or that's the presumption. I don't know if that's a correct presumption or not, right. but what made you choose to go the cryptocurrency route? So I had a, uh, I met a gentleman in a bullion group. Mm -hmm. So I belong to a bullion group. I've been in that group for a while. Uh, I met a guy who ended up being my first mentor. He was in the bullion group with us and he would drop little nuggets here and there in the bullion group. Hey, there's this new thing out there. You should look at this. You should read this. You know, he was not a, I guess like a pressure salesman. Like a he network never, marketer. Yeah, he yeah. never, nope, nope. Never That's sold good. us, never solicited us. He would just drop little nuggets here and there. So there were a couple of people in that group um, and we would kind of listen to him. You know, finally one day I just, I, I bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I took the bait and I was like, hey, what is this stuff you keep talking about? You know, I watched the video or, you know, something. He maybe he would send me, um, he would directly send me some videos to watch. So finally, I took the bait. We started discussing it. He would send me more and more things to watch. I'd watch them. And it took about six to nine months. I don't remember exactly. He, he started at the beginning of the year. It took me towards maybe the third to fourth quarter before I finally got a grasp of what cryptocurrencies were. And it was really at that time just Bitcoin. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it took me... Six, at least six to nine months to finally get a grasp of what the crypt, what was a cryptocurrency and how did it work. Right. It took me a while. I did not, I did not do what I just said I did with other areas. I did not just jump in and take a class. I kind of leisurely studied these things, mm -hmm. and he gave me a lot of space to just, you know, he would say, just come back to me if you have questions or when you finish this video and you feel like you really understand this video, just come back and we'll discuss it. And that's how it started. Okay. That's cool. I'm going to take a step back for a second. Yeah. I know earlier you talked about risk management. Yes. Um. So getting a little personal in here, if that's okay. What would it. be the big two, two, two part? What would be the biggest risk that you took that paid off and the busy, biggest risk that you took that won so bright? Um, okay, so the biggest risk I took that paid off and paid mm -hmm. off pretty quickly. Um, actually, the one I can think of 
So I'll tell you one I took that paid off quickly. I've had others, but it was um, it was a longer tail of or a longer length of time before I saw the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. But in the cryptocurrency market, I'll tell you. So my mentor asked me to attend the um, blockchain. What, what was it called? The first one? I think it was called. They changed the name the second or third year. So I think the first year I was invited it was called the. Bitcoin, African Bitcoin conference, something like that. Mm -hmm. He asked me to attend it with him. And I thought about it. I was like, I don't know. I was already going to Africa in October of that year. The conference was going to be in February of the following year. So I didn't know. I was like, ah, maybe I'll go. I'm not really sure. Um, And I ended up going. And when I went to the conference, I sat there was a great conference. I met really, you know, people all over the world were there. So I made some really good connections. I still talk to many of these people all over the world. Um, but I was sitting through one of the conferences and there was a gentleman from um, the Ethereum team that was speaking. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know too much about Ethereum or other uh, cryptocurrencies at that point. Really, I mean, this is so early on. Ethereum was new. Litecoin was new. I mean, there were just there weren't that many coins or tokens out yet. Right. But anyway, I'm sitting in the in the conference. This this guy is up there speaking and he tells the people in the crowd. He said, you know, basically. I don't know if I should say this on the microphone. <laughs> basically, if, if not, we'll edit it, it was almost like insider trading. I feel like it was insider trading. But, you know, he gave the information. So we sit in the conference and he was sharing some information. Ethereum had these. Um, these new things that were coming out and and I didn't know anything about Ethereum because Mm -hmm. I had only studied Bitcoin at that point. So I'm just hearing about Ethereum in this conference. But he's like, yeah, our team is going to be rolling out something new, blah, blah, blah. And it's going to be so great. And he said to everybody in the audience, if I were you and you have a wallet on your phone right now, cryptocurrency wallet, he said, I would buy as much Ethereum as you can right now. And so, you know, at least half the people in the in the room pulled their pulled their phones out. We all had digital wallets. Pulled their phone out and made some some purchase made purchase some Ethereum, just because this gentleman said so. <laughs> I, I didn't completely understand what he was talking about. I'm mm-hmm. not cryptocurrency is a digital currency, right? And it is all calculations and algorithms and stuff. So although I understand calculations and the numbers, I'm not an ITIS person. I'm not a programmer. I don't understand any of that, which I feel like I should because that is all math, but I don't. Mm-hmm. So he suggested we do it. I pulled out my my phone, just like a lot of people in the room. I probably bought about, I don't know, 1000 to $1,500 worth of Ethereum at that time. And I believe I'd have to go back and look through my wallet history. But I believe when I purchased it, it was probably about between 10 and $12. Mm-hmm a coin so yeah about 10 or 12 dollars a coin and by the end of was it that year i don't even think it took it to the end of the year but by the end of at least that year i believe was the year it hit a thousand dollars wow so i had what's that whatever time i I don't know what i bought it at but Uh like a hundred times what i paid for it right by the end of the year so february till december and That's I had a hundred times my investment. So that was the biggest, fastest. And it was growing rapidly. I right. mean, even after we bought it, the next, we bought it in February. Within 
30 to 60 days, it went from the 10, $12 up to 40, $50. Oh, wow. And then, like I said, through the so end of the year, it, it hit up to a thousand. Wow. So it, that was there, a great investment. It was a great investment, a very quick, in, uh, very quick incline. Mm, that was a huge risk. Though. That, I don't know if I would have taken that just because this guy's on stage telling me to do yep. it. Yep. Don't even remember his name. I, I saved all the paperwork and all the speakers so I could go back and find his <laughs> yeah. name. But um, I do actually keep in touch with a woman that was on the team there. She still works with the Ethereum team. She now lives in um, Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Um, Ethereum at that point moved one of their major headquarters to Cape Town, South Africa. Wow. Her name is Monica. I don't know her last name, but she's on the Ethereum team. She lives in Cape Town. We do keep in touch. Um but yeah, it was that was one of my best investments. A bad investment? I don't know if I have a bad investment. So Oh, okay. Well, no, no. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm say teasing, I'm teasing. Right. I'm not for anybody, I'm not a day trader of mm-hmm. anything. Although I love finances, I love all things currency, I love math. I'm not one that sits in front of the computer all day. So I'm not a day trader of anything. I don't shorts and calls and puts and options and day trading, even um, cryptocurrencies is not really my thing. So I'm a holder. I'm an right. investor. I'm a true investor. I buy and hold. I buy and then I move on to something else. If I believe in it, I'll buy it. I'll hold it for a while. I'll move on to another project. I'll buy, I'll hold for a while. So you don't, you really don't lose as much when you buy and hold mm-hmm. because most most investments are cyclical. Right. So if you hold it long enough, most of them will come back. Um, Some don't come back though. I can't say all of them come back. Some companies go completely bust and things are just gone. They disappear. Right. But honestly, I don't, I can't think of anything I've had that completely disappeared. Um, I've invested in some things that in the end, I didn't get back everything I put into it, Mm -hmm. but it still wasn't a complete loss. I just lost some of the investment. Um, so, yeah, honestly, I can't think of anything where I have lost money is investing in people. Mm. <laughs> that's the truth. And that's, that's you know, a different type risk. of investment. Yeah, but investing in people has yeah. not always been a 100 percent smart move. <laughs> um, but, yeah, as far as other traditional investments, I can't think of anything. My personality type, mm-hmm. I like tangibles as well. Right. So there's different type of investments that you can make. I personally like tangibles. I like buying and holding things that I can see, that I have, that I access. I don't like people to hold stuff for me. Of course. I'll hold it for myself. So even with bullion, when I invest in bullion, I want physical bullion. I want to see it and hold it. I'm not mm-hmm. investing in gold stocks and ah. gold bonds. I want to buy the gold myself. So... um, I think it's kind of a safety net for me. Okay. When you buy a tangible, even though the value may increase or decrease, I physically have it in my hand. So it it hasn't disappeared because I have it. Um, That's another reason why I like real estate. People freak out when home values go up and down. Real estate goes up and down. Mm -hmm. But you always have the house. And I've explained this to people before. Yes, you may have bought the house for $200,000. The economy declined and the house is worth $150,000. On paper, you've lost $50,000. But honestly, in investing, you've never lost anything until you sell it. Mm. So nothing's ever a loss until you try to sell it and get your money back. Understood. So while I'm living in the house, even though I bought it at $200,000, the bank right now says it's only worth $150,000. I'm living in it. 
So I, I, I really didn't lose anything. All my furniture, all my belongings are still in the house. Even in my mind, it could still be worth 200000 I'm not selling it right now, so I, there is actually no loss. Right. So the loss that. occurs when you sell it. Okay. I'm a long-term investor. I typically hold stuff, so I don't, I'll just hold it till it comes back around. I understand that. Um, I know you, you bring up, I might, I'm going to mispronounce this word, bullion? Bullion. So I said it right. Yes. Okay. Bullion. bullion. Which is just gold, it's just, that's metals. Metals? It's a word for, for Can you speak more into why you, well, I know you, you just touched on it with it being tangible, but what do you look for when you buy into that? What got you into that? Uh, just because I, I don't know how common that is when it comes to investments. I have a cousin named Jerome Summers. Uh, Jerome was one of my early financial um, teachers. He's my relative. He, Jerome was the one. So I said at an early age, I was reading these papers and the aunt that I'm talking about, my grandmother's sister, that was his mother. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he would notice what I was reading. He noticed where my interests were and he was a financial guy. So he would give me books to read. He would sit me down and give me lessons. He talked to me about stuff. I wasn't always so susceptible to them, to be honest. He's, he can be kind of luxury preachy and he knows this. He's going to listen, but he knows he can be very luxury and very preachy. Um, but I listened. I didn't want to listen, but apparently I did listen. There you go. So the richest man in Babylon, I think that was the first book that he made me read was the richest man in Babylon. The second book he made me read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And after each read, we would discuss it. Mm. Um, after I read those two books, then he started He started teaching me about gold, gold and silver. He was a firm believer of gold and silver. And the first time he told me to start investing in gold that I can remember as an adult, gold was $400 an ounce. And at that time, I was still pretty young. I was working, mm-hmm. but four hundred dollars an ounce for a new, you know, somebody new to the workforce—that was a lot of money. Yeah. But he was like, you know, you buy gold, four hundred dollars an ounce, blah blah blah, and he used to always push that. So he got me into to gold and silver. Mm. Um, that was his thing. And then on top of that, my father and my grandfather—so my father and my father's father. Um, they collected coins and stamps. Both of them worked at the post office mm-hmm. and my grandmother to say my father's parents, his mom <laughs> and dad. And he all worked at the post office and they, for some reason, my father, and my grandfather collected coins and they collected stamps. Mm. And that also got passed on to me. So I've always maintained a coin collection. Um, I kind of have a stamp collection, but my dad's stamp collection, I, I have, I have a um, possession of it now. So I've always collected coins and stamps and gold. And so, so I'm a low-key hoarder, maybe. <laughs> you go in my garage. I'm a low-key hoarder. So, yeah, I just have a lot of stuff. I have family members that, that were actually into these things. Mm-hmm. So I can't just say I did it all by myself. Of course. I learned it from watching them. I learned it from listening to them. And I learned it from them teaching. So with that, with them teaching. Yes. What is maybe not the best. I'll say the best. I also ask for the most memorable financial advice you've gotten. From one of them? From anywhere. Oh, man. I don't know if there's a most memorable. Mm-hmm. Is there a best? Um, Floating around there somewhere? Or or something that was really good that helped you out? 
that you remember? Um, okay. So Jerome also would always say, pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. That's a common term. You've heard a lot of places, but he instilled that in me, pay yourself first, pay yourself first, pay yourself first. When you get your paycheck or however you get paid, you always want to take your 10% out first. So mm -hmm. the first 10% or if you can afford it, the first 20%, you know, is for you, for your savings, your nest egg, or, you know, your investing. Um, so that always stuck with me. Other advice. Oh, there was a second one that popped into my head a second ago. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go back to that. But there was a second one. Pay yourself first. Oh, budgeting. Mm -hmm. Budgeting, budgeting. Again, my grandmother, Beulah Cole, she was a big budgeter. And that's that has to be where I got my budgeting from. Right. She used to make me save for everything. So I would want this or I would want that. And my grandmother would always say, I will help you get it. But I always had to put in 50%. Almost everything, she it was a 50-50. Wow. So I used to have, she gave me a little that tin can of cookies, that really blue tin can of cookies yeah. at old school. She loved those cookies. She gave me an old tin can, an empty tin can, and I used to have to save my money in that can. So things like I used to want to go to Pottawatomie Day Camp at the YMCA in Evanston, and it was the more expensive camp. It wasn't a city camp. It was a private camp by the Y. My sister and I always wanted to go to Pottawatomie. It was, it was more expensive than the city camp, and my grandmother worked at the city of Evanston. So she may have even gotten a discount for sending us to city camps. I don't know for sure. <laughs> but we wouldn't want to go to the city camp. We wanted to go to Pottawatomie, the fancy, expensive camp. My grandmother would make us save money to pay for half the camp. Wow. So whenever we did something, chores or did work for people on the block or whatever we did, we would have to put some of the money in the can to save for whatever it was. And we could spend the other half of the can of the money on candy. Since <laughs> that slipped out, we would yeah. always go to the corner store and buy candy with it. Um, yeah, so she is definitely the one that taught me to budget. I was always with her. It was always I had to save half. Right. And I I, I fell short. I'm sure because I, I didn't make that much money. I used to iron shirts for my uncle for a dollar a shirt. I would babysit, wow. rake leaves. You know, I wasn't making a lot of money, but. At least if she saw me trying to save, mm -hmm. then she would match it she would. and she would get. Yeah, that's amazing. So that's another point. A lot of people, when they think of financial literacy, they only think investments. They only think cryptocurrency or foreign exchange or stocks and bonds. But budgeting is probably, if not more, we gotta important. <laughs> Can you speak to budgeting? Speak to your tips on budgeting. Um, I know that. For the, a lot of people, that's the hardest part is because it doesn't seem feasible when they look at it through a certain way. But can you speak to that and how you you were able to do that and what would be your best advice for people struggling or trying to adjust to creating a budget for themselves? So what is hard about budgeting today in 2020? What is difficult of budge, about budgeting today is so many of your financial transactions are electronic. Mm -hmm. So most people are not, and we're in COVID Yeah. and they tried to tell us that COVID was being passed on the dollar bills and the $20 bills and they, nobody's taking cash. Then all of a sudden COVID ate all the change up. I, I'm not, I'm still confused how COVID and change disappear, but somehow COVID happened and all the change disappeared. Mm. It's very hard to budget when everything is digital because you, phys you don't physically have it. Right. If you left the house every morning with a hundred dollar bill, 
it's very easy to see how much you spend at the end of the night because you come home, you open your wallet, and you got $10 left. Mm. You spent $90 through the day. It's harder to see what you spend when everything is a swipe. Yeah. A swipe, a swipe, a swipe. Nobody's using check regist- registers. Even when I, I still have checks. Even now when you order checks from the, the, the check printing companies, they don't even come with a check register. You have to actually go to the bank and get a check register. They actually are now promoting that you don't record your transactions. Wow. Yeah, I still use checks. This happens. Yeah. And at three banks, I have three different banks that I use on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. When I order checks for all three banks, none of them come with check registers. You have to go to the bank and the bank holds the check registers and you get them for free, but you have to go ask for them at your local bank and they'll give them to you. That's interesting. So to budget, you have to track what you're spending and where you're spending. And the key, of course, is to spend less than you or to spend le- spend less than what you make. Right. So if you're making $100, you can't spend $120. You have to spend less. To know what you're spending, you have to track it. You have to be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. The first place, as an adult, the first place I went to track my budget was there was an old-fashioned budgeting book. And you wrote down everything you spent for the day. It had columns for everything. And you wrote it down. The left-hand side column was the categories. And across the top of the book was 1 through 31. So you wrote in every single box what you spent every day of that month. And then at the end of the, you know, the last column of the book you did, you added it together. So there at the last column, you could see, hey, I spent this much on food at restaurants this month. I spent this much on gas. I spent this much on clothes. I spent this one this much on utility bills or whatever. You tracked it there. You could also track at the bottom how much you spent per day. And it was just a very good way for me to see where my money was going. Because even back then, we did have check registers. There weren't as many debit card and credit card purchases. But still, you know, you leave the house and you don't know where the money goes. So that's right. what I did to, to budget myself. And even now, I still do it every now and then. I got to check myself. So keeping track would be the key. Keeping track. Yes. Okay. Now, you, you said you have three or you work with three different bank accounts. Mm-hmm. What is the importance of having multiple bank accounts? Because I'm paranoid. No. <laughs> <laughs> because, um, well, I keep my financial stuff at one location, mm-hmm. and that's a credit union. I keep my business accounts at a different bank for a different reason. Um, the fees are different. The benefits are different at the different banks. Uh, my primary bank, I've been with them for probably about 14 years. I have a really good relationship with that bank. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy for me to get can't say whatever I want, but it is very easy for, for me to get my needs from that bank. Okay. I don't have to jump through a lot of hoops. Yeah. Um, I've established such a, such a good relationship with them. It's very easy for me to get loans. It's very, it's just easy for me to work with that bank. Okay. Um, and the business bank, I just recently, I, I changed my business bank, first of all, because my initial bank, the fees were just ridiculously high. And mm. I mean, just ridiculously high. On top of that, this bank is still closed to this day. You cannot go inside the bank. They're still closed. You have to make appointments. You got to do everything through the teller window, the ATM. Wow. And I feel like you're holding my money hostage. And these were my business accounts. So transactions here are are business related. Yes. I, I don't like that. I don't like that you're holding my money hostage and I have to make appointments and blah, blah, blah. So I switched to another bank, another local bank. And... The, the the service I'm getting at that other bank is just phenomenal. 
they're open. You can, they're open regular bank hours. You can walk in, talk to a teller, talk to a personal banker or a business banker. They answer the phone when you call. It's, it's, a, it's a local. It's a regional bank. Mm. Actually, not even regional. It's a local bank. Wow. It's a local bank. So they're, pre- they're still pretty small. They have only maybe eight or ten branches in South Atlanta. And so I can walk in. I, can, I have the cell phone number of my business banker. Literally, I have his cell phone. He calls me on the weekends. He calls me on the evenings. He texts me on my personal cell phone. It's that type of relationship. And they have low to no fees compared to the bank I left. So mm. I won't be going back to that big bank. Okay. And I'll be staying at the small local, local bank. bank. Yeah, these are all topics we're just touching on that will end up being full episodes at some point. Exactly. Um, But real quick. Yes. Before we go, can we touch on some of your businesses? Some of my businesses. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, your, my your primary business, mm-hmm. I am an American family insurance agent. My agency is in McDonough, Georgia. Uh, like I said, 20 years with American family, November of 2020. Yay. So I just hit my 20 year anniversary. Primarily what I do there is sell um, personal lines, insurance products. We do um, insure small to medium sized businesses. Um, and that's my prayer. And that's what I've been doing for 20 years. I've held several positions with the company. I've lived in four states. Well, I've lived in Georgia twice, but I've, <laughs> I've moved four times with the company. So I've been with them for quite a long time. I've been a manager. I've been an agent. I've done different things for the company. Um, other businesses, really, I don't have just now officially with the podcast. I'm rolling out go. an official finance business where I officially help people like as a business. There you go. I've been doing it forever. Right. I've been volunteering. I've been teaching in schools. I've been teaching one-on-one, but it's never been a bit. It never had a business name. It was just Kai came and sat down with me and taught me something. So that is my, my new business venture. Again, you can visit the website. I'll be doing a lot of the updates there. It's growing. Um, so yeah, if you go to the re- website readysetfree.me, readysetfree.me, you can contact me there again. You can um, get in touch with me to teach a class one-on-one, teach a group class, a seminar. Um, if you want to take one of the group classes that I'll be hosting, you'll be able to find that information there. Okay. Any any previews of what some of the classes will be that just be a little more in-depth of how we're doing the podcast or... Yeah, so definitely like the four major requests I get all the time, uh, cryptocurrencies. So I am going to, I'm adamant about making sure people understand it. I Mm -hmm. am not the person that you want to contact or follow. Do not call me, do not contact me, email me or anything else and say to me, this is what makes my skin crawl. Do not contact me and say, how do I make money in cryptocurrency? If you can't, I, I, I'm not going to help you. I may refer you to some, I'm not going to help you. If you just want to make money in something, I'm not your girl. I just told you that I'm one that likes to understand how things work. Right. So if you ask me how to make money in cryptocurrency and you can't tell me what a blockchain is, if you can't tell me what a hash is, if you can't tell me what a Satoshi is, you if you can't tell me what a white paper is and what the white paper does or what the white paper of even Bitcoin says, I can't help you. I can't help you make money because you can't make money on something you don't understand. Right. So there will definitely be cryptocurrency classes teaching you the basics of cryptocurrency. 
I will do um, I will do credit classes. Like I, I get a lot of requests on credit. I will do basic um, banking. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of people about banking. They don't really understand banking. Probably banking I will attach to credit in some other areas because you can actually find a lot of basic banking stuff. If you just search YouTube, you can find a lot of history about banking and money and how we got to the point we are. But banking, cryptocurrency, credit. What else do I get a lot of requests for? Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'm taking suggestions. So if you mm-hmm. have a suggestion, go ahead. Debt free investing. I'll probably do some basic investing too. Basic investing. Basic, okay. basic investing strategies. There we go. So everybody's portfolio is not going to look the same. Do not ask me just what does my portfolio look like. Right. Yours can't look like mine. Mine can't look like his. We all have different goals. So I'll probably do some basic investing strategies and let people know that it's not all just stocks and bonds. There are so many things you can do to invest. So we'll just discuss like all the options of ways that you can invest money safely. Understood. And we're looking forward to that. Yay. We really are. Um, but before, before we wrap this up, is there anything that I may have missed or anything on your mind that you just want to share? So, you know, I wanted to remind people, I talked about in the intro, um, the title of this podcast, Ready, Set, Free. Um, Ready, Set, Free is the, the majority of it will be about finance. Okay. That's what I do. I'm mm-hmm. a finance girl. But I'm also going to have on every now and then I'm going to have on people that will focus on the immense, the emotional well-being of, of, of people, um, the physical well-being of people, the mental well-being of people. I want you to be free of everything. I, I, my hope is that nobody is weighed down by anything that's not positive, not helping them. So your financial Your financial situation scenario is tied to other areas of your life. Your finances don't just sit on an island by themselves. So I want everyone to be well-rounded. And the best way to be financially secure is to be secure in other areas. Because when you're stressed, when you're worried, and America does this on purpose, when you are stressed and worried, you make poor financial decisions. That's a fact. Okay, if you're worried about how you're going to eat tomorrow, if you're worried about being evicted from your house, you make poor financial situations. And unfortunately, in the United States, they keep us in this rat race. We're all, you know, we go from one pandemic to there's one emergency after the next. We don't get a lot of downtime, relaxed time here. Mm -hmm. They keep us really stressed out. So part of that is the cause of why so many people are not in better financial situations. Right. Um, so I will be, I'm not going to just finance you to death every now and then I'm going to have someone on here with me that will talk about other areas of our lives where we probably should focus a little bit of time and make sure that we are well-rounded so that while we're doing finance, we're not making poor decisions because there's other areas of your life that are not in order. Right. So there we go. There we go. Well, thank you for <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Thank I was about to say, wait. <laughs> Thank you for interviewing me, Orlando. I appreciate no it. I appreciate hearing your story. <laughs> I am excited to see, to hear more, see more, see where this goes, and good luck. Thank you.
Thank you. You're going Good to be amazing. Good luck to both of us. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're going to be amazing. I appreciate how you just fit right in. We Thank were you. able to do this. Um, so plug again. Where can they find all your social media, your website, everything? Ready, set, free dot me is the website. Um, you can contact. There's a contact me. Um, there's a lot of if you want to be on the email list, there's a lot of ways you can get in touch with me on the website. So you can go there. I am on Instagram at ready, set, underscore free. I'm on Facebook at ready, set, free. I'm on YouTube somehow. Orlando's going to tell you at some point how to find me on YouTube because I can't find myself on YouTube yet. <laughs> You'll most likely be ready, set, free on YouTube. As ready, well. set, free on YouTube. Yeah, um, yeah uh, you can. Um, there's an email contact on my website so you can mm -hmm. find me there. I have new stuff that'll be coming out soon. So I'll be sharing even more things with you in the future. I'm pretty excited about that. Like, click, subscribe, share. If you could do all that rate and review me, please share the podcast wherever you can. I'd appreciate it. Comment, please comment, comments, comments, questions. comments, questions. You leave a comment or a question. I will respond to everyone that I see. I will respond either where, if there's a way I can respond right where you put the message, I will do it there. If not, I will respond in the next podcast. So I'll try to answer as many questions as I can. If I can't answer them, I will do the research to get you the right answer or to get you to the right person. There we so go. I'm going to provide you resources and tools and knowledge. You are going to learn something here. I promise you. I'm all about learning. So you are going to learn something here. I'm not here just to entertain you. This is not all fun and games, although we are going to have a lot of fun and we're going to even play some games, uh -oh. but we're going to learn. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. Well, thank you all for listening and tuning in. And we're looking forward to seeing you guys next week. Ready, set, free podcast with Kai Wilson and Orlando Clark today. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for joining us. <laughs>